Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 107. Getting down. We got another fight card. Got a couple corrections real quick, Lesbo. I Uh-oh. ended up saying we had a weekend Uh-oh. off. Not a, not not so. We just have one of the shortest fight times other than those next back-to-back days that we get usually in that July time for July time frame. But we're gonna have we had a Sunday night Sunday day card to a Friday card that we have. Gonna be on FS1 Fight Pass and a lot of people are talking some some negative stuff on this card. It's gonna be 13 bout card at Utica. I'm actually fairly excited, but before we get into that heavy duty breakdown, before any of that, anything we want to briefly touch on, the count is officially counted out. Michael Bisping is retired. Michael Bisping, we love you. We love you. We love you. Um, amazing. I, yep. When you think of the word grit in UFC, I think you can put that on the count. Um, I didn't get to see his whole career, obviously, by the time I got into UFC, but he's been one of my favorite guys to watch since. And I I would say I almost even first really got to know Michael Bisping, which this really puts my, when he knocked out Luke. That's when I first... I think that's when a lot of people really... Well, he was also the champion under some of the most unique circumstances, being short notice and already having a previous loss. Um, but yeah, I think everything you're saying is 100% spot on. I did actually happen to see his first stint in the UFC house UK versus uh, US. I remember Beast being just being uh, more of a kickboxer. I mean, he really kind of stayed that, but watching him progress over time, once he got to that Rockhold fight, it was a new Michael Bisping. If you look back at, of course, because he's a young man and getting new in MMA, but... Definitely a lot of growth. Somebody that a lot of people can look back on in their careers and you can see the dramatic change in his footwork and boxing. And you see him start to win a lot more fights later on in his career. And he adapted a bit more to help him with that. I, too, big factor. I'm really happy to see him go. I, we were calling for it here at Lab B yeah. since the Gastelum since knockout. before the Gastelum. Before. We said yeah. rock away. Yep. Uh, yeah. Rock away on top. Anyway. Yeah, so thank you, Michael Bisping, and we'll see you in Hollywood and around the commentator desk. He does a great job. Thank you for the octagon fights, my uh, friend. Thank you for stopping all of the call-outs, because I hear your name ten times oh every my gosh, that's night, so true. From 155-pounders all the way to heavyweight wanting to fight Michael Bisping, and that's finally going to be put to rest. Um, did you end up getting any late-breaking info on Diaz's situation? I believe he is home now, and... The stalking situation might uh, might be more prevalent than we actually initially thought in the first kind of stuff. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh... She might be a crazy stalker. Um, apparently it's been ongoing. Blah, 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 blah. Still don't know if he put his hands around her neck. Still don't know how he fe- felt threatened enough for that to happen or if it did go down at all. So... Until it unfolds, I will hold my judgment. But I did think something was funny about that. <laughs> um, 
isn't it funny that more people are taking up for Nick Diaz than they are taking up for Darren Till? <laughs> like, Darren Till's more hated than the UFC for people thinking that was a robbery um, <laughs> than Nick Diaz is for potentially choking out a woman. <laughs> I just think that's kind of that funny. Is, that is interesting. Kind of funny. Um, I like Nick Diaz. Of course. And I still think, I have watched Darren Till versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson five times now. There is no way you can tell me Stephen Wonderboy Thompson won that fight. I'd agree with that, but I saw, I, though, I need to watch it once to be able to tell. Till had three of two, if not four of one. That, I was trying to be, Easy. I was trying to look at it with a confirmation bias, thinking Wonderboy won this yeah, fight. Wonderboy won yep. this fight. And I watched it the whole way through, and at very best, I could give him the first two round. rounds. I, at the very best, best, I agree. I could give him two rounds. So, Darren Till actually offered Stephen Thompson a rematch in America. Uh, have you heard of uh, Woodley Wonderboy 1 and 2? No, thank you very much. I don't want to watch another continuance of that type of a low output I don't, striking dynamic, even though it was fun. It, if we're going to bring back um, any Wonderboy fights that we have to see again, can we re-sign Roy McDonald? Uh, I'm just saying. like, There's a lot of other Wonderboy fights that I'd way rather see. I don't need to see him against... And Darren Till, I mean, honestly, Wonderboy is the easiest match for him going forward because I think he's pushed hardest by a wrestler. Where does he go up from here? Dos Anjos, Colby, Usman, uh, Usman Woodley, all Wrestling. killer wrestlers. Right, so, right, right, right. In my opinion, for Till, Styles make fights. He would figure out Wonderboy even better for the next fight. And I would have actually have Till going forward. I think he's a little less scared going forward of Wonder Boy's power and figures him out that much more just with a young brain that is into video games. The difference right. between a you know 25-year-old brain and a 37-year-old brain. Real quick, you brought up Roy McDonald. He yes. is the current 170-pound champion at Bellator. Gegard Mousasidi just this last weekend actually claimed the 185-pound title. And Ryan Bader is a 205. So these are three UFC guys that have went down. Phil Davis also holding the championship there from the UFC. They've had four guys that have came in and be champions. But now, Roy McDonald and Gegard Mousasi are talking about fighting each other at 185 pounds. Have you heard much about this? What do you think about this fight? No, but I, I like Rory going into that. Wow. It's a big size advantage. I think Musasi's like 210, walks around 210 because I don't know If he had enough time to, you know, Gegard to me, he was slow. He would have been a slow fade for me if he stayed in the UFC. So if he were to fight Rory in the UFC, I still would have had him as a slow fade and still would have had Rory as one of those top holder guys. I think Rory, if he knows he's going to do it ahead of time, uh, if he could get the extra pounds of muscles on him, the cut might be getting harder for him. He was a young guy in the UFC, and he's getting to get that age where the weight cut starts to hurt a little more. Uh -huh. 185 might be his thing. And Rory is saying that he walks around at around 200 pounds. So he cuts 30 pounds for that. That's a heavy cut. If Yeah. And we also, isn't Rory a just, uh, GSP disciple? And GSP's, yeah, Tristar all day. GSP's not known to cut a lot of weight. So if a lot of other guys are seeing success in that and saw him at 185, you know, totally. they might be thinking the same thing. So, yeah, I maybe I, that's crazy. Would Rory be the underdog on that? I think he would be. I really think Rory would be the. And it's just the size. We and we've seen it a few times in Bellator already with uh, who was it? Shlomenko versus 
Tito Ortiz. When Ortiz came off of four years and two neck surgeries. Every time I hear Schlamenko, I always think of um, Laverne and Shirley. Schlemiel, Schlamazel, (laughs) Pops and Pops Incorporated. Every time. In my head, I'm, we're going to do it our way, yes, oh. And I wasn't old enough for Laverne and Shirley. It was on syndication, however. I did. I've seen shows here and there, but I can't ever remember the the. It's like the, the, the happy two. days. I do remember time. the two, but I couldn't remember the lyrics of it. Yeah. Yeah. I they aren't they in like a bottle cap factory for like yeah, two kids or, or something like that? A beer factory. Yeah. They for... bottle beer though. <laughs> yeah. Beer bottle factory. Anyways, Laverne and Shirley quiz. Some one of you, if it's a question on <laughs> HQ tonight or quiz show or whatever, maybe you're playing a game with your family. All right, UFC Utica. This is fight night what? It is. I never, I, I stopped caring about the fight nights. Really? I in stopped the, caring in, about, in, no, I stopped caring about the fight night number because it started to confuse me with the UFC number. It's like UFC pay-per-view number and the UFC fight night number. And then they'd have the tough numbers. I'm like, fuck off. How about we just call it the city it's in and it just sticks with that. Not a bad point. Not a bad point at all. We are going to have <laughs> DraftKings lines up, actually, for this one. We are going to have lines out. Uh, it being so short, there's a couple debuters on here that we're going to cut right through it. But we were talking about maybe uh, having more freeway with our breakdowns. And uh, we'll be trying these stuff as it goes. Again, always, always evolving at the Lat B. But we're going to start it off from the bottom to the top. We're going to be at sea level in New York. What do we got to worry about? The commission being garbage. (sighs) Garbage! Get ready for that because it happens all the time and we say, oh yeah, wait. New York is kind of late to the scene. We're going to have Adelaide Bird ringside as one of the judges probably. Driving up in a Lamborghini. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know that, I'm just saying, that's a factor that always seems to be like, oh, we should, Mr. Hindsight should have seen that one coming. But, we're going to start the entire night off, or 6.30 card, on the East Coast, in the flyweight division, 125 pounds. We have Jared Brooks coming in against debuting Jose, Jose Shorty Torres. Torres is coming in with a perfect record, being 7-0, and getting many finishes you out of the Titan You know what else scene. we do have to look for in coming into this? This is what why is it's it? a 13 fight. Yeah. If... If you have a small little bit of staff, if you um, have breast implants, if you uh, make weight and they think you're walking in too heavy into the ring, New York pool card. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We New know. York will ruin a card. You could have an Irish guy throw a dolly through a bus. Oh, New York will ruin a card. <laughs> so we have Jared Brooks coming in off of a 13 and 1 record. His only loss. Coming in the UFC against his last opponent in a split decision versus Davicio Figueroa. But prior to that, we had Brooks winning a split decision over Shelton and really had looked better on the underground pancreas scene. But now that he's in the UFC, we tend to see a drop in that factor of high level finishes. Torres is going to be in that same boat, though. I think Torres has been finishing a lot of guys because he's out of time. It's, it's, notoriously happens here in the UFC and this is going to be a blitz of a fight. I could see stacking both of these fighters. Even though it's a three-rounder, these 125 guys, Jared Brooks always has a good gas tank and what I've seen with Torres, he also does that, has that good gas tank, comes from a wrestling background as well. 
Um, I think it's going to be Scramble City. The advantages, I'm slightly giving to Brooks just because he's had two prior bouts in the UFC. So he's been under the lights a bit more. Torres is come. It's a tough debut. Jared Brooks is not a walkthrough. It's the perfect competition. I'm really excited. I think this could be a fight of the night potential. I'm going to squeak out Torres just because I like his power a little bit more. And he has... Um, a bit better of that transition where Brooks is more of just a wrestler and just a boxer to me. Where do you feel this one ends up going on? Not on my card. Not on my card. This is going to be a big fat stay away for me. I have Brooks' decision right now. I think he eats out another split. This is a, not an easy walkthrough for Joe Torres, but it is a UFC caliber fighter. I think both guys will give us tons of stuff to look forward to in the future, but not this week. Not this week we are going to end up going with 8,700 for Torres debuting in the UFC against the 7-5 Jared Brooks I think I'm seeing a wage gauge if you decide to stay on this mm. one at all because it is usually a stay away that first fight of the night for us and this is a coin flip this but for flip. that cheap for Jared Brooks I just I agree with that I agree with that I don't see Torres getting him out of there anytime quick at all no he can go three rounds he loves to yep. he loves to People always look at that as a bad thing when they see a bunch of finishes across the guy's board. I always like that they are growing in there for those 15 minutes. And 15 minutes inside the UFC octagon, totally a big deal. Totally a big deal to me. Totally see that potentially being fun one there. Moving on to the bantamweights, we have 135-pound bout. Johnny Eduardo versus Nathaniel debuting Wood or the prospect Wood. Prospect is 3-3 three and three coming out of England of being 24 years old against Johnny Eduardo's 37-year-old 28-11 record. Been fighting for a very, very long time. Eduardo just came off of a nasty loss TKO 11 months ago to Matthew Lopez. But prior to that, he had a Manny Gambieri finish. Lost to Aljamain Sterling and had one of the biggest upsets of the year coming in short notice against Eddie Wineland, which has definitely been Eduardo's marquee win. Eduardo comes with that Muay Thai at 37 and being out of Novo Uniao, being in the States, this one might get one of those retroactively pulled cards. I'm just throwing that out there. Just saying like, oh, he post-popped for something. That's the type of stuff. Eduardo looked really diminished in his last loss either way. That... 37 years old in these lower weight divisions is definitely up there. Eduardo, though, has good head movement. Is really a Muay Thai striker um, with good scrambles, but I think as the spike goes on, in general, at this weight, for anyone that Eduardo is going to face, the cardio is going to play a big factor. Nathaniel Wood has good striking, good on the ground, slick submissions, has power in his right hand. He has his head a little straight up, though. I do see that Nathaniel Wood is a huge favorite here because his constant forward pressure and his heavy hands have tend to get people out of there, but Eduardo is a humongous step forward for this young man. Being a debut also doesn't... Uh, the Cage Warrior scene has given us good fighters, but um, Nathaniel Wood still is green. Young, young guy. I'm going to go with Wood decision. I could switch over to Eduardo any second. I really think this is much closer than people have it. I think Eduardo is more than serviceable, and the the debut might get this young man as well. Going with Wood decision right now. How do you feel this one ends up going by the end of the night? I see everything you're saying. It's just everything we talked about in the fight right previous. 
I, I totally agree. John Eduardo is UFC caliber guy, and the guys he's losing to are like Aljamain friggin' Sterling. So, just the experience of being in the octagon and losing to Aljamain Sterling, that's more experience than Nathaniel Wood has, and the guy's a knockout artist. I understand what happens when he's tested and he has to go all three rounds. What happens when he tested and he has to go all three rounds with a guy who's trained out of Novo Yao and is UFC for who even knows how long? He's old enough to be his father. <laughs> <laughs> so, I probably have the underdog here. I think Eduardo figures it out. He's a guy that's been in there for too long. I can't wait to see Nathaniel Wood going forward, but I'm going with the experience. Eduardo, KO Woo! round three. Are you going to end up putting him on your draft keep lines? I might Eduardo. have him on a few cards, maybe 30%. Uh, I would probably And I'm not going to have Wood one. anywhere. Why not? Is it because he's worth 9200 on DraftKings yeah, for well, debut? Yeah, we never like debut fighters over nine. There's no way. We call it the baby Albini rule. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shaking your diaper rule. It's going to happen. Um, so, Eduardo, 7000 Yeah, I think I'm going to end up playing. I'm going to have some money left over this DraftKings night the way we're starting this thing off. I'm gonna well, have, already? Yeah, already. I know. I'm going to have a couple. We got two wage gauges up top. Getting into, though, the straw weights, we have a 115-pound bout. For the ladies, we have Jessica Aguilar versus Jody Escobel coming to the stage for <laughs> oh. a brutal one. This is how I would have done it. We got uh, coming to the stage right now, ladies. I want you to put your hands together for Jessica Aguilar. Are we on that fight? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We are. What's her nickname? Jessica, Jag. the Jag Aguilar. Because you have to, I heard something that Eddie Bravo said that you have to talk in a low um, octave when you're in a strip club, otherwise people tone you out. So you have to talk really deep and say, is everyone listening to me? Is that Jag on the stage? That's horrible that it's the lady fight that we have. <laughs> it it would have been any fight that was this one. It would have just so happened. I, and... To me, we were talking about it a little earlier because of all the controversy with uh, Roseanne and uh, how you're apparently not allowed to call pretty much anyone a monkey anymore. Anyone related, a monkey, an ape, a gorilla, anything like, hey, everyone, just stay away from those words. They're apparently racist now. Just FYI. I kind of think it's the same thing for like, hey, I almost think it's more racist that you think of monkey every time you think of race every time somebody says monkey. I think of like, hey, we it would if it would have been two dudes, we would have still talked about strip clubs. Right. So I almost think it's more sexist that you're assuming we talked about strip clubs just because it happens to be two ladies. See how I turned that around? I like that. It confuses <laughs> the living shit out of me. But these 115ers have been around the block. That one's a few for times. Sam Tripoli. <laughs> That was my tinfoil hat for Sam Tripoli. Oh, giving a shout out again to the Trip Show. If you're into conspiracy theories, uh, Tinfoil Hat is an awesome podcast uh, to check out. It really makes it funny and entertaining at the same time. It's just instead of the same, if you're into conspiracy theories, they're the same ones you hear over and over and over again. So to add some humor into it and a couple of fresh ideas to tweak it up, I like it. I do as well. As I was saying before, though, both <laughs> of these ladies... I've been around the block being 36 years old for Aguilar to the 32 Escabel. Escabel's coming in with a 6 and 3 record against the 19 and 6 Aguilar. Aguilar fighting out of American Top Team. We got a Top Team Winkle John matchup with Escabel. Last getting her last loss against Carolina 
Gelbukevich in a decision, but prior to that, uh, coming off of the Invicta scene, we have Aguilar coming off of two losses in a row over a year ago to Courtney Casey in a decision, prior to that losing to Gedalia in a decision, but she really put up a good fight at both of those women. This is not a loser leaves town, but I do think Aguilar might get her walking papers if she loses one. Escabel has a couple more left of that 115-pound division. We know what Aguilar wants to do here. Keep it striking. On the ground, she's serviceable, but she can give away submissions. Um, ends up being on top. Has okay scrambles, but Escabel, that Winkle Did Jones. Did you hear that sound? What was that popping the top? Um, It is a company that's going to remain nameless, but I just wanted those companies out there to know that, that are listening if, that are listening if they had a sugar-free um soda i would drink it and talk good stuff about it if only if it was delicious right at this point that would have been that is a good point yeah <laughs> very good point on Escabel though she likes to wrestle a little when bit i can't find strength. interest in this room about a fight <laughs> i already know how i'm gonna feel when it's on yeah, this gonna is going to be, be where you're making your, your ear off. You make a quesadilla. We call this grilled cheese. Uh-huh. You minutes. might make a little a UFC gift or meme of the fights before or something like that. But with Escabel, she's going to want to get it to the ground. Striking-wise, these are pretty much neutral. I do think the gas tank goes for Escabel a bit more. I'm going to go Escabel decision. I'm going to stay away from this thing no matter where it goes. Wow, Aguilar is such a heavy favorite, at least on topology.com where we do our picks. Uh... I'm actually going with you here. I think Escabel, the evolution of women's MMA has been that much that even though Aguilar has fought a Claudia Gadelia, it was not the Claudia Gadelia we know and love Agreed. today. So that's her best thing she has going for her. Jody Escabel, losing to KK not too long ago. Yep. That rings high praise to me. You went all the way with KK. She's a known striker, and Escabel has a good ground game, at least more solid than Aguilar's here. So I think it's an easy decision for Escabel. So you're going to end up paying 8300 for Aguilar on DraftKings against the 7-9. Again, I'm going to be having some money left over. On I have three underdogs in a row right now. Woo! I could see myself being there as well. If this week were last week, it would have been, wasn't last week a week of underdogs? Underdog City, which is these fight nights where all of a sudden everybody starts shitting the bed. But it makes for an interesting, it, these cards, what I, people tend to like to stay away from them. And I always say, this is where the biggest movement happens. This is where you see a flash knockout and you're like, whoa, remember that guy that... Came out of nowhere. You need these type of fights. You need these cards. Yeah, we were talking about it because I'm kind of hating on this fight card a little bit. UFC Utica. A lot of people are. A lot, a lot of people are. I, in my opinion, there's about four fights I'm interested in. And the rest of them are not even movement matters. It's like I think two it does matter. old guys that are too low in the division to make a burp anyway. Speaking of, let's get on to the next fight. On to the next one. We do have Desmond Green against one of those <laughs> older guys, though. It's Gleason Tebow. I Tebow. think that way about Desmond Green. Well, against Gleason Tebow, then that's going to be a pretty well, old show. Desmond Green might have the worst record of actually getting to the octagon. He came into the octagon how many fights ago? He's 20 and 7. He came in and beat... Emmett, Josh Emmett in a split decision and then has lost two in a row. 
28 years old coming out of the combat. And I don't mean in just the UFC octagon. And Uh I I think it's something maybe UFC by the numbers to give a shout out to a great site to follow on Twitter. Um, It may be a graph they did out. I know we we retweeted it for sure. But it says all his fights that have fallen out from either um, disqualifications, weight misses, drop bouts, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, it's like 20 fights. Uh It's a crazy amount. And so we're in the sketchy city. Which leads me to already think this is a doomed match to begin with against somebody who's known to pop and miss weight. Great, great point. Um, I'm not sure if Gleason T-Bow's ever missed weight. I do know for a fact, though, he's one of the biggest guys. Joe Rogan will say it all the time. That goes down to 155 pounds. But now that we are in the United States, this is one of those high alert ones where we got to watch the weigh-ins and see if this gets there. Because this might be a six, seven pound fight. Over the weight limit for T-Bow. Dez has taken those fights already and lost due to some of those weight cuts against Prezeris three months ago. Um, Dez comes in wrestling, striking serviceable. Gleason T-Bow is just every bit of 34 years old. Been a long, long time veteran. He's definitely got way more miles in there being 32 and 13 being in the UFC for so long. We've just seen a loss of step. In Gleason T-Bow's striking, his chin in general and gas tank has never been up to par. He's always just more decision fights than finishing people as of late. This goes, this got, if it gets to the fight, it's got boring decision written all over it. But I'm actually fading T-Bow so much that I think Desmond Green's going to get a really weird finish in the second round. And people are going to say all sorts of good crazy stuff about Des Green and then I'm going to be able to fade him later on. So, I got green for the finish, second round. What do you think happens in this one? I don't think anyone's ever going to sit. I, uh, I don't want to be a Des Green hater. I'm, <laughs> I'm ahead 100% on voting against him. Nice. I'm 100%. I've never, ever bought the hype train. And I almost was going to I have Des Green decision right now, but I almost want to switch it just because, ooh, I might want to just stick with my good record. And mm-hmm. T-Bow's a guy that can eke out a decision. And yep. Des Green's a guy that can't not... T-Bow does have a weak-ass chin. Des Green doesn't knock anyone out. So the only place I'm worried about T-Bow is with that chin, and I'm not worried about that all of a sudden. T-Bow's so big. If he can stuff those wrestling, neither guy has great cardio. I could switch that to T-Bow decision. As much as I want to fade him and as old as dirt as I think he is, I think Des Green is a night ruiner, and I will stay away from him again. I may be getting ahead of myself by calling a finish here for Des Green and fading T-Bow that much. But um, for 9,000 on DraftKings, Des is not going to be on my cards. That's a hard stay away. T-Bow for 7,200. I think we got enough other underdogs that are more likely to get the pull through here. T-Bow's definitely one of those sturdy-ass split kind of fighters. Both are. Both are. So get ready to... To, again, make maybe a little fondue with your quesadillas. You might get a little flatbread going on. <laughs> or I, I, I've been getting into making some bread. You could exactly. uh, start. There's so... You could hang out with your friends, have a game. It is Friday night. It is this Friday, is a Friday night, night. A little different. Maybe you go to the bar and you have a pool game going at the same time. Yeah, it'll be in the bars. Do be in on FS1 here in the state side. But... A little nine ball action little pitcher of beer. Oh, shit. Des Green and T-Bow's on. <laughs> exactly. On to the welterweights, though. We have returning Belil Muhammad versus debuting Chance Renkator. How would you pronounce that? Renkator? 
Chan's Rin Couture. Rin Couture, also known as Black Eagle. That just rolls off the tongue. Black Eagle. Hmm. Is that a vulture? No, 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 that's a vulture. That's, that's, a, ba- that's a baby eagle. No, not a juvenile. They're brown. Well, is there any such thing as a black eagle? There might be. There might be. But it might be somewhere out of the world. Where is this young man out of Oklahoma? So I would say if there isn't, then a dark brown eagle would be a baby eagle. <laughs> Chance Ren Couture, the baby eagle. Baby eagle. I, I like baby eagle more. But you know here at Lappy, the bean's always throwing babies all over the goddamn place. <laughs> what about... Baby black eagle. I would be black bean. Why black eagle? There's got to be more to it. But this debut fighter <laughs> is coming again in, in against the three winning streak fighter in Belial Muhammad in a 13-2 and two record for Belial. Just winning six months ago via split decision against Tim Means. Uh, Belial in that Means fight was way closer than I thought it should have been. Uh, Means is definitely starting to fade and I think Belial was just, he fought four months prior to that and had a brutal fight prior to that. Not long ago. Um, Chance is 12 and 2, 31 years old, fighting out of Alliance MMA. You know he's going to be ready. He's definitely fought last three months ago, winning by rear naked chokes, winning by submission. Definitely likes to get it to the ground. What's not going to benefit him here, he has fought out of Bellator, is Bolio Muhammad has good takedowns and great takedown defense. His striking is advancing more. I really like that Bolio has. Had six months off since that last real There's fight. There's Black Eagles. There is out of where? Because they ain't out of America. They aren't. They're out of India. And there you go. they look just like regular eagles, except they look like dark brown eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but they must just be full grown. Yeah, that's a brown eagle. <laughs> yeah, that's a brown eagle. So, I don't need to get too crazy into it. This guy's not going to be able to get... Muhammad where he wants which is going to be on the ground and Muhammad has enough wrestling instincts and just that stifling power against that jiu-jitsu Muhammad heavy favorite for a reason he should roll here I am going to go decision um the finish is a bit tougher to get on this young man at 31 years old but Muhammad easy one on the cards who do you got in this one how is Belial's ground game he's not going to submit you any day but he's that wrestling that we like to say here just kind of sits on top of you and he's adding more strikes to that but he doesn't go for submissions, really. One thing I definitely don't like about Chance is the fact that... Or, I have Muhammad decision as well here. Um, it's fishy to me that Chance Rin Couture comes out of Alliance MMA. And that lets me think that the guys in his gym picked a good fight for him. Alliance is a heavy gym inside the UFC. I'm thinking this fight's going to be a lot closer than people think. So be careful. As much as I want to say Belial Muhammad, remember the name. He's a guy that he's great at walking through other guys. I don't think he walks through chance. So I have Muhammad decision, and I think this could be a fight of the night contender. Interesting. I could see that. This could be definitely exciting. I think Chance might be an interesting guy coming forward. I just like that his... You're giving him a chance. I'm giving him a chance here. Well, another couple guys that need a chance. We have David Timur against Nick Lentz, the carney himself at 155 pounds. Another habitual weight misser. The carney stepping in here, fighting over the weight limit a few times now. 
But isn't he usually on short notice? He has he has been a few more times than anything. Tamor coming in with a 7-1 record, 4-fight winning streak in the UFC, being d close in a decision. Fanata, Novelli, who's out of there, and also Stevenson, who's no longer in the UFC. Uh, last loss, which isn't on his record, is Wuzernik in during the show. And that was a decision loss in a two-rounder. But we have Nick Glentz being a longtime veteran here, 28-8. He's definitely got a big underdog win as of late against Will Brooks in a submission guillotine choke six months ago. But prior to that, losing to Islam Makashev. He has beat the people like Michael McBride, no longer in the UFC, I believe. And Danny Castillo, also gone. Nick Lentz has been plagued by injuries. The Carney, though, always knows how to pull some evil, manevil shit in there. He makes some grinding-ass fights in there. He always has those slick-ass submissions. In that fight that he last won, he was getting taken down all day. He was starting to get picked apart on the feet by Will Brooks. Will Brooks stuck his head where he shouldn't have, and that guillotine locked up tight. Nick Lentz can always finish a fight, even later on. He is a bit pillow-fisted, but Lentz has really uh, made a mark in his UFC career by winning, grinding, grinding decisions. He can definitely do that here. And David Timur has shown us that he's evolving a lot. He's getting better every, every time in there. I think he's actually being way overvalued here, though. I do think it, it's more not a fade on Lentz. I think a lot of people are fading Lentz. And Timur should get the win here. It's, there's all more pounds to victory there. But I think this turns into a dirty split situation. I could see myself putting Lentz on a couple things. I think I'm going to go Lentz decision. Disgusting dirty split. I'm going to probably backtrack that. Because... Timur's got so much hype, but, ugh. I love David Timur, and the reason he has so much hype is because he's one of the guys that fights on a lot of cards just like this that no one thinks anything out of, No, nothing's going to happen, and then all of a sudden we meet a Lando Venata, or we meet a David Timur, or we meet, a, and that's kind of similar here. Um, this is a big step up, in my opinion, for both guys. The problem that I see is David Timur, a lot of his fights have been against strikers. This, I, I think Nick Lentz can strike. I don't think he's soft-fisted. I think he does have knockout power, and he also has a really tight killer ground game. So I'm actually nervous for David in this fight, and I got Lentz submission round three. Woo! That's a big underdog right there. 9,100 for Timura against 7,100. This could be my 50-50 fight where I split them both up. I on... can see that. But I do, like, as we're saying here, obviously, people are overlooking Nick Lentz in this position. They really, really are. Um, do we know what the direct That's another good are? fight. So, so far, there's two that excite me. So far, so far. Maybe this one will strike your fancy. At flyweight, we have Lauren Murphy against Sajara debut in Eubanks. Eubanks coming off of the show, being 2-2. Two and two, She does have three fights in a row that she's won, but they are off of the UFC show. She didn't make weight. This is why Roxanne Mataferi got to fight on a day's notice for the belt against Nico Montano. is because Eubanks notoriously doesn't like to train. She got off of the show, went because she had just had a baby eight, six months ago, got heavy, wasn't even close to making weight. She showed up, uh, wait, week of the fight, they weighed her and were like, you're way too far, you're legally, we can't let you try to make the weight. So she stopped cutting six pounds before, even 10, and the rest is history. Lauren Murphy also coming off of that show, being 10 and 3, coming off of a win in the UFC against Barb Hanchank over five months ago. 
losing to Nico Montano in a decision and also losing to also having a UFC run prior to this. We know what we're getting with Murphy. Definitely a wrestler. Wants to get it to the ground. Get a submission in there. Her striking has never been that good. Her head movement has been worse. And really had to rely on just keeping up good pace and getting fights to the ground. And that's exactly the game plan to beat Sajara Eubanks. Sajara is one of those few women at 125 pounds that has power, heavy hands. But you see it after that first two minutes. The takedown defense gets slower. The punches come slower. The footwork slows down. Again, we know conditioning and her wanting to work in there has been compromised before. I'm actually going to go with Murphy in the decision here. I'm going to stay away from this fight. All day, this is another. You already got the flatbread in. You're probably taking the flatbread out by now. You're going to be able to have a little bit of cut garlic, a little bit of other stuff on the side. You should be three beers into this. This is a Friday. So... This is going to be one of those that uh, definitely stay away. I'm going with Murphy. How do you feel it goes down? I also think Murphy is oh, the position. <laughs> I don't know enough about Eubanks yet. And the one thing I do know is I don't love her cardio. She's going to be desperate for a finish in a really big way here. She has a lot to prove. The weight cut's going to be new for her. Where I think Lauren Murphy has everything down to a science. This fight's going to come down to work ethic. The longer it goes on, and Lauren Murphy has that grinding work ethic. So I got Lauren Murphy decision. I, too, will probably stay away from this. I can afford whoever I want. I, that already. But already. if you I have all the to put Murphy anywhere, she's only going to be 7,800 against Eubanks, 8,400. That's a definite stay away from Eubanks. If there's anything I can give you there is stay away from she Eubanks. She ain't going to finish that. Lauren. I don't, th- I don't see it necessarily either. I do not Who's finished that. Laura Murphy? Let me. Uh, via decision. That's via, not a finish. But, and that's where I'm saying, like, Murphy knows what she's good at in there. And she ain't a striker. And she doesn't ever try to be a striker in there. So, coming to the main stage on the main card. Burr, we burr, have burr, two burr. lovely gentlemen. Hey. Hey. Coming. Hey. To the big show. We have the Smiling Sam. With the good corner and a wife against John Gian Vellante. Both of these fighters are coming off of a win. 32 and 10 for Sam Alvey against the 16 and 9. Vellante, we know what we're getting with both of these fighters. They both like the standing strike. Vellante tends to be the wrestler more, but doesn't shoot or rarely shoots in his fights. Actually, in his last fight, it was the most wrestling I've ever seen from John Vellante, and I absolutely love because he's not relying as much on his chin, which is constantly failed John Vellante. He has multiple times been winning fights striking wise and then just been put down with that one shot. And if there's a fighter on this card that can put most people down in just one shot it's Smiling Sam Alvey. You know how we feel about him here at Lab B. You know that we always gotta run an underdog. But to me this is two underdogs fighting each other. It's I mean (laughs) both of these guys are 32 years old I think the more of the fade here, even the, they're not making a run for the title anytime soon. And I got Sam, smiling Sam, finishing this in the first or second just because the power's there. Vellante doesn't it seem to have heavy hands. And Sam Alvey has way better takedown defense than anyone ever gives him credit Agree. for. Agree. And that's going to be the deciding factor of this fight. That takedown defense. Then it's just a matter of time for Sam to land that left. And it, if it does land, John Vellante's going night-night. One thing I've noticed about Sam Alvey, he will not 
set up for that knockout shot until he gets hits one, hit once or twice. It's almost like he has to get mad in the ring, and you can see it happen when he bites mm-hmm. down on his mouthpiece like an anger comes out. He really is like a happy guy, even inside the octagon, until he gets hurt. And so I think a lot of this fight in round one, both guys know the other has knockout power. They're going to respect each other too much. By the end of it, Jean Vellante might get Sam up against the cage a few times, boring round one. Round two could be much of the same. Until Sam gets clipped, he will not knock out Jean Volante. So it's whether or not Jean can land that first punch. I think he's a good enough kickboxer, but when he does, he just pillow fists people. Like, he just touches them and they don't go down for Volante. Though a factor right now with um, Alvi came off a big win in Orlando. We watched that. The homeboy walked in with hands down and got put night-night, and that was a big scary dude. Um, But Alvi, prior to that, lost to Remvi. And it was all started because he has an injury on that leg and it started with that leg kick. First kick of the night hurt him and he lost a three-round decision. Volante has good leg kicks. I'm just saying that's just something to look on the back burner. Something to think about. I am going with Alvi. Second round, knockout. I think it takes a little bit of time. Ooh, consensus bet. the second round. Consensus bet here. So you might put a little bit of money inside the distance. Yeah, that might be a little standalone bet for you. If you need one for this card, there's going to be a few, I feel like, Whoa, along the way. are we really getting the Timmer brothers on the both, on the we same are card? Real quick, we wah, have wah, Sam Alvey, Sam Alvey, 8,500 against 7,600. Vellante, you both know, we both know where we're going with there. As you were just alluding to, we have the Timur brothers bringing in all sorts of tiramisu trouble into this fight night out of New York against Julio Arce. This is definitely Daniel Tamora, the lesser known of the brothers, coming in with his first loss ever. The lesser Timur. <laughs> Losing to Dane Henry, big underdog that we got in Henry. We definitely are liking Henry as of uh, 10 months ago. He is 155 pounds, training out of All-Stars. Daniel Tamora is just not as versatile as his brother. He tends to be more of the kickboxer, can be out ground, on the ground a whole lot more, doesn't have those wrestling credentials. And Arce is coming in with a 14-2 and record, beating Dan Ige, who is one of the lowest level fighters you will see in the UFC, but winning his contender series via knockout. Arce punches straight, hard down the middle, throws a good left body kick, and on the ground is all sorts of serviceable. At 28 years old, I think he's going to roll over Daniel Tamora. I have him in a decision, heavily one-sided. If not, I think he can get him out of there in a submission, Round two or three, I just don't think to Daniel has the potential that I've seen so far. Then again, he could make a big leap since his last debut in the UFC. But we know that he got in the UFC because of his brother. And then the first fighter he fought was definitely the first one to put him down. What do you think goes on in this one? I'm going with Arsene. It's going to even... To me, it even seems easier to lose once your brother just lost. So I got Arse decision as well. (laughs) 8,800 on DraftKings against Tamura's 7,400. I'm all about that Arse. You know you're all about that Arse. (laughs) About that Arse. Another main event. This one is actually a relics fight at 170 pounds. I'm so excited for this, but it's because if you want another under 2.5 round bet, this fight is not going past 2.5 rounds. I guarantee it. Both of these fighters barely hanging on to careers in there. Been fighting for a long time. 
Ben Saunders is 21 and 9, coming off of a two-fight losing streak. Jake Ellerberger, the juggernaut, 31 and 13, also coming off of a two lo two losses. Last losing by a hellbow a year ago, one of the most devastating knockouts you will ever see. Ellenberger really scared a lot of people there. A lot. People thought he died. How, not, how did you not think he died? Remember that? Yes. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Matt Brown's career was dead until that elbow. You thought it, a different fighter? <laughs> a whole different fighter's career was done? Because it was Perry versus Oh, Ellenberger. yeah. Oh, who did Matt Brown knock Daniel out with that Sanchez. Oh. See, no. I'm so not racist. I don't even see color. Uh, uh, Perry broke off of the clinch. He ha he threw a right elbow as he spun Ellenberger from the waist. And Ellenberger just, whoop. Night, night. So, coming off that, Ben Saunders has had two devastating finishes. But Masvidal also knocked out Ellenberger, which Masvidal can do that to people. Against Joe Ban. Ben Saunders didn't make it past the second round two months ago. Two months ago, we watched in Orlando, Ben Saunders get put to sleep. I remember hearing elbows bouncing off of Ben Saunders' head. Do you remember that? It was brutal. I was getting a nosebleed. That's who I was thinking And I could of. hear. And I was just like, oh. I don't know what to do in this fight. I have no idea. I can't trust either one of these fighters. This is a loser Goes home, if not both. You know what I do for this fight? Walk away from this. Right away, for the UFC, the day before weigh-ins, I let each guy know that they don't have to make weight. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so they're fucking fully hydrated. And then they can go in there and both guys can put on the kind of show they see themselves doing. Or just move it up a weight class and tell them both now so they don't have, you know, like, so they have the same advantage. Uh I never thought I'd hear myself say these words out loud. <laughs> I got Jake Ellenberger, KO round one. <laughs> I actually have Jake Ellenberger winning via KO as well. It's those two months. That's it. It's those That's two what months. it boiled down to me. I only looked at who was knocked out last. La That's and it. Ellenberger's taking off a full year. Yep. He can just take two or three more shots, shots. And with this type of fight where these guys are quick to get hurt, it takes... One or two shots in. It's going to be night-night. On the ground, this ain't even going to get there. We don't even need to get that. No, it it's, it's not even going to last uh, two minutes. Somebody's so, going to be knocked out within two minutes. We have Ellenberger being 8,600 against 7,600 for Ben Saunders. I'm going to go with Ellenberger there. That's a scary one. Whether you That's agree or disagree one. with us. Either way you feel about either fighter, only put him on like 20, 25% of your cards. Yeah, I agree. Because either a has a glass chin. Yeah, that's a coin flip all the way around. On to the heavyweights, though. We have Watt Harris coming in against Daniel Splits. Spitz. Spitz <laughs> coming in with a 6-1 record, losing in the UFC his debut to Mark Godbeer, but coming back and beating Anthony Hamilton eight months ago. Just real quick, Anthony Hamilton... Eight months ago. One of the sketchiest fighters you will ever see in the history of the sport, Anthony Hamilton. So, Lesbo made a shit ton of money on Spitz. Shit ton of money. I mean, clean house. I was all over Hamilton, even though I hate Hamilton. Um, so, not hard to say here. I've been on the Watt Harris bandwagon, even though he's lost to Verbicio Verdum on short notice. And then Mark Godbeer in a disqualification head kick. Which he was winning. He was winning the entire fight. So. Picking him apart. The Verdum, not short notice main event. 
don't give that any stature. He was beating up on Godbeer, who also beat up Spitz. I'm doing some shithole MMA math, but I'm going in the first round with Harris via TKO. I've liked his, he looks like a middleweight in there for the first two rounds and then tends to gas, but that's all heavyweights. Spitz is going to have a three-inch reach or three-inch height advantage. It's six, seven. It's going to be something to deal with. But again, TKO round one, Harris, who you going with? I know you like to spit every once in a while. I think it is going to take Walt a little longer to get Daniel Spitz out of there because I, I, I got to give Daniel Spitz's body and chin a ton of credit. He takes some damage in there, and it is hard to finish that cat. My hopes is that Walt Harris doesn't wear himself out trying to do this, and because Daniel Spitz also has the power to knock someone out. I'm not worried about Walt Harris's chin at all. Everywhere I see Daniel Spitz strong, I'm not worried about Walt Harris. Walt Harris does have... This these two factors that just no one can get through. I mean, Superman can't get through Walt Harris' knees. Walt Harris' knees, so I feel like he's going to want to really put a game plan together here. He doesn't like these two losses in a row, even though one of them is on short um, notice. I actually like Walt Harris in this fight, and I got a KO or TKO for him, maybe a ground-and-pound finish after a brutal knee round three. And it might even be one of those fights that people are like, that was called early, maybe. But we're going to be like, that's fine, it's fine. Spitz is going to be bloody AF. Yeah, I don't see Walt Harris getting knocked out. But Daniel Spitz... Yeah, I don't see it happening. I feel good about Walt Harris in that. I'll probably have him on 30% of my cards. I think I'm going to end up putting Harris on quite a bit there as well. At 9,300, I'm going to have more than enough. I got so many underdogs this night. I'm going to have more than enough money to be able to put him on there. Spitz being 6,900, definitely one of the lower owned guys of the night. But you know those heavyweights... Anything can happen. Anything and anything does happen. On to the co-main event, though. We have a 155-pound bout being profiled here with Gregor Gillespie against Vince Pichel from hell himself. This is an 11-1 versus an 11-0 fighter. Gillespie has all sorts of hype coming in. Definitely... Proven it. Nationally ranked wrestler. Took a little time off. Come in. Has Golden Gloves boxing um, accolades as well. Vince Michelle. Notorious grinder. Definitely took a big break due to a lot of injuries. But has come back in the last year and won two in a row. Knocking out Damian Brown. And winning a decision over Joaquin Silva. Which Vince Michelle was a huge favorite in. And actually barely squeaked that one out. Um, Vince... Actually, against Damon Brown was the big underdog there, and that's where he, it was his marquee win as of late. You can't throw Nate Jaquani in there, because that was three years ago. Four years ago now. You can't throw those guys in there. Uh, Vince Michelle really showed us that first knockout against Damian Brown. People thought he was back, but in that decision, you could see the age at 35 years old is starting to add up. Michelle still has a gas tank, but it is, it's not his gas tank that slows down in the fight. It's literally his body. Does that make sense? Like, it's not his cardio because he's still moving in there, but he does slow down. His lactic acid. Yeah, it's just he's not moving like he used to in there, and he never was the fastest guy already. And wrestling and heavy strikes is what Pichel likes to do in there. And against a nationally linked wrestler with good boxing, almost see a setup fight here for Gillespie. The thing is, Pichel has power in his hands. One of the last things to go in he showed us he still has it as of a year ago. And Gillespie has all sorts of power as well. This is an easy pick for Gillespie, but I think Pichel's going to make it a grinding, grinding fight. This might make it to all three rounds. I'm actually thinking I'm going to give 
more credit to Pichelle. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Gillespie gets hurt sometimes in there. He can get a little wild and over-pursue, and Pichelle could be hurt and throw an overhand right that will put a lot of people down in there. Who are you going with in this coming? <sighs> he thought Big John was salty after that Thompson <laughs> loss. He's going to be salty after somebody coming out of his camp loses, too. I think Gregor Gillespie is, um, I think the hype is deserved. I like everything he's offering. We always say the best two things, uh, you know, if you were kind of going to build your perfect fighter, if they have a great wrestling background and then a good boxing credentials, it makes a Gregor Gillespie. Um, I do respect Pitchell's power, and I think Gregor is going to as well. And that is why I see a submission coming at the end of round two. I'm going to switch it to the beginning of round three. Uh, I think Gregor, because of respecting the power, um, he just has a lot of ring IQ, and I think he's just going to find some weird jumping submission and finish that up. So I think he's an okay guy. I'm glad I can afford him because I'm going to put him everywhere. Well, for 9500 you're going to need room because that is expensive. The most expensive fighter of the night against 6700 Pushel. I think it might be a decision. But there's so many better spots here other than Pichelle because, again, if he wins, I see it being a flash knockout other than a, a sound, steady win there um, by just outworking him. Um, that's a fun one. How many fights would you say throughout the night are you then excited that for? That would be my that third that I'm excited for. Whoa. And this will be my fourth, the final. The main, main event. event. Main event. We're going to profile the bantamweights at 135 pounds. We have Jimmy Rivera coming in against Marlon Morais. This bout has been tried to be made multiple times. Morais wanted this a few times, I think at 225, but Rivera refused because he was on his honeymoon. That was three years after his actual wedding. Um, so I think it's just a vacation, but whatever. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's just you and your wife going yeah, on vacation, homie. On, you can call it what you want, but you're just on vacation at that point. If you don't, you're allowed like to have sex months. with your wife. You don't have to call it a honeymoon. <laughs> you think that was a stipulation? Yeah, I know. She's maybe they were consummating their marriage for the first time. Oh <laughs> damn! <laughs> I mean, depressing AF. But um, this one is actually super super fun. We have both guys in their late 20s to early 30s. Marais coming in at 30 years old, being 20 and 5, coming out of the definitely uh, PFL or WFOL where World Series of Fighting, being the champion there. One of his few losses is coming to Rafael Asuncao in his debut in the UFC, which is not bad at all. But last, coming off of two wins, all these three fights have been within a year against John Dodson, split decision, and then last knocking out Aljamain Sterling five months ago in one of the most devastating knockouts you'll ever see. Sterling's already come back and looked better than ever. Jimmy Rivera is coming in with a 21-1 record, and that is definitely uh, propelled him into this main event. A lot of people are giving Jimmy Rivera a shit ton of accolades, calling him the next coming to Jesus. His last win is a decision nine months ago against Thomas Alameda. Ooh, excuse me. Prior to that, he beat Uriah Faber, who was in the twilight of his career. Prior to that, he beat Yuri Alcantara, also in the twilight of his career. Prior to that, beating Pedro Munoz in a split, that was a black lobster of a fight, but that was two years ago. And prior to that, beating Marcus Brimage, who's not been in the UFC for a long time. 
I'm just wasn't, saying. Wasn't that Uriah Faber's last fight? I believe so. And wasn't he already saying that he was almost done with fighting like a year previous to that? Yeah, pretty much of... UFC was like, dude, we'll give you even more money. And Uriah Faber is a very intelligent guy. Didn't think he was going to get knocked out in there and didn't. And if Uriah can stay away from you, Marlon Marias with the striking, definitely the better kickboxer in there, even though um, Rivera has good fundamental. He's the Tiger Shulman guy, comes in with that karate, has been fighting for a long, long time. But the trickier stand-up guy here, the more flash knockout potential, is Marlon Marias. I think Marlon can keep win this striking easy. On the ground, though, Rivera can use that wrestling and um, stall out positions. But on the ground, Marlon Marias is a nasty, nasty black belt. Also can get a flash um, submission from all sorts of positions. This really is a great main event. This is such a close, close fight. DK has it at 8-2 for Rivera I against 8,000 for Marias. It shouldn't be a main event. It's a really? great co-main or a great a fight that should be on the main card. I think it's a perfect fight. I have no need to see either of these guys go five round against each other. This is a five rounder. Great call. Great, great call. Who do you give the gas tank advantage out of the two of these fighters? Rivera. I think I would say that too. I'm going with Marlon Marais, TKO round number four. <laughs> with Whoa! all that. I think that Rivera's going to win this, but as I'm saying, the flash potential, and we just saw a higher level wrestler in Aljamain Sterling get caught with a sneaky, and it was the setup of that knee where Marias showed that he was going to throw something else and then threw that knee where if Rivera gets into, ooh, I'm going to just keep taking this guy down, I think Marias is just, he'll be losing. And all of a sudden, Gah! you're going to see someone dabbing in there and it ain't going to be Marias. I have had underdogs all, all but one, I think. Also, I could afford um, Gillespie. Uh, and I also have Marlon Marias. round three. I think because it is a five-round fight, I don't think he opens up the same way we normally see him open up in round two. I think he's going to save that for round three for the cardio purposes. I do like Rivera, and I was kind of on this hype train for him as well. And then I started to think about all of his wins and how all those guys... I thought he was going to win, and I, I was fading them anyway. And Marlon Marias is a guy that I really think is putting such an interesting game plan together. It's new shit. It's new UFC shit. What he's doing is kind of what we like about all the hype trains. They're doing new shit. It's not the same shit or perfected shit. It's brand new shit, and he's doing that kind of stuff. So you can train for a Uriah Faber and an Alcantara and all these guys that were doing UFC shit of yesteryear, but Marlon Marias is doing UFC shit of now. So I also have him. KO round three, and I'm going to put him on a lot of cards. I trust it. 8,000 even for Marias. 8-2 for Rivera. So our Leslie Smith underdog pick of the week, because we have a few to get through here, and officially we can't pick Marias because he's a minus 105, so he's, they're both favorites, minus 115 for Rivera, minus 105 for Marias, but other people that we both settled on that are the underdogs in their fights, Lauren Murphy at plus 150. Even though it makes the most amount of sense, she actually, she fits all the criteria of a Leslie Smith underdog. Totally. Uh, Nick Lentz at plus two. 40. 
There's a stab in there. That's a really scary. That's like, we got brass balls if we go with Nick Lenz. Jody Escabel. Did you have Escabel or Aguilar? Escabel. I believe we both had Escabel at minor, or plus I don't know her like that. I don't know her like that to put a Leslie Smith underdog pick on her. So, that's a, those are the only that's underdogs Nick Lenz, I that we officially... Oh, that's so scary. And we well, haven't we, we had could, one. Well, we could do Murphy then. Murphy's the safer one there. If you're like... I know you don't want to, but it, it's not what you want. It's what the heart wants. Huh, Nick Lentz. I mean, it's what the... Nick Lentz l- fits l- every l- criteria l- of a Leslie Smith underdog. Because of how cheap he is, he's still going to be worth his points. But we see more of a glaring hole in Eubanks than we see in... Um, I have Tamura. to be on... I see it Tamura is way more of an up-and-comer I know. It makes me kind of crazy, though, that Laura Murphy was in the house with all these women and didn't win. You can exploit her if you're another grinder. Banks isn't a grinder, though. Banks gas is hard. I could be wrong on this. I mean, yeah, could I don't be trust Laura Murphy. I don't trust Le- I trust Le- I trust Lentz much less. Then I think we should pick the other girl. Escabel it is yeah. at plus 110. <laughs> we have Jody. Wow, that's a weird one. Okay. Or Escobar. we could have none. We haven't had one for a little bit. That is the truth. Really, since she's retired, it almost has. Retired. Mm. I don't want it to. I don't want it to either. I like the our underdog big because it's usually substantial. Usually, though, they they're tend to be up in that, like, plus one. You heard we range. debated about, you do what you want with you it, pick but one we'll, of those three. we'll pick Escabel officially. Officially. It's official. So make sure you like and subscribe, and thanks for listening. I don't know if you want to add anything else. We love you. Let's the bean! Thanks for listening to Let Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.